Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. My guest today is an athlete, is a harmonica player, a father, an advocate, an inspirational person, a person who has tenacity. He's taken that tenacity and and created a place of change. He's a person who is deeply interested in helping and serving others. He is a public speaker. He's a motivator. My guest today is Sean Smith. Don't diss my ability. I'm so excited that you've joined us today, Sean, because just in our brief time together, I'm on your page and know that many other people are going to resonate with what you have to say today. So can you start with just telling us a little bit about yourself? And you can start at the beginning because sometimes that's where people will, will connect. I'm a counselor and psychotherapist by trade. But what, what I do really is, is interesting is why I do it. I specialize in a very particular niche called neurodiversity, which represents a group of individuals with a disability label, but for whom the term disability doesn't quite fit because our assets exceed any deficit we experience. And the reason I, I use me is because I identify as being neurodiverse. I was diagnosed with ADHD and kind of type at age 30. Prior to my diagnosis, it took me four years to finish three years of high school. 32 attempts from 18 credits required to graduate, including failing grade 10 math four times. I managed to get snuck into college after high school to play football, uh, brought my grades up and up to attend university, and graduated undiagnosed with a whopping 2.3 GPA. I had a ton of life experience and then decided to uh, get assessed and start taking medication for ADHD, which basically took my thought process from violet to fiber up. All of a sudden, the, the pieces of the puzzle that were my life came together in, in a way that they never could before. And I always like to share an example. I tied my shoes the wrong way before I tied them the right way until I started taking medication. I couldn't remember simple directions. I, I couldn't do basic math. I, another way I describe it to people is that I feel now as though I was wrongly imprisoned in my own head without any, any way of getting out. So what medication basically did was, you know, if you can think of your brain as, as an addict, you go in and, and you turn that light on. Um, it's kind of like all of a sudden you've got this flashlight in your hand and you can look into the corners that, that haven't been lit before. And so once you've kind of seen what you've seen, you can't unsee it. And so your, your thought process just kind of grows and, and evolves. And so that's, that's what happened with me. And then I went back to, uh, to upgrade as a mature student. I realized that I, I wasn't dumb, uh, which I believed up until that point. Um, but I was quite smart. I took five classes or did a GPA of 3.7. And then in 2010, I was a master's education in counseling psychology program at UNB on academic probation and graduated a year later at the top of my class. I had a ton of, uh, yeah, yeah, I had a ton, uh, of, a ton of life experiences in my 20th job. 
Um, I've literally done everything from shuffle craft to uh, work at McDonald's A&W. I was a blackjack dealer in Otago for a summer. I was a sheriff's officer here in Fredericton for two murder trials. I was a therapeutic foster parent in the state of Maine. I worked in residential treatment facilities for at-risk youth in the Northwest Territories. I've been around a lot of different places. I've met a lot of different people. But I realized pretty, pretty early on that the helping industry was really what I like to do because I was able to connect with people on a certain level, just be very real with them. And for them to know that, you know, I, I was somebody who wasn't going to blow smoke. You know, I, uh, what you see is exactly what you get, for better or for worse, sometimes. And I, after I graduated uh, with my master's, I, I worked in the nonprofit sector for a while, uh, in a related industry, uh, and then decided to stop waiting for an opportunity and create my own. So I founded Don't Dis My Ability four years ago, and I like to brag that I've been able to do something that no other company has been able to do since 2002, which is keep me employed for longer than 18 consecutive months at a time. Yay! <laughs> uh, so I really, I really kind of use a lot of my different experiences to work with families and youth uh, who are neurodiverse, so individuals with uh, autism, ADHD, or other invisible disabilities, and help them to use their, their passion or their, their unique gift as a context for communication and uh, whether it turning into business or some type of curriculum to help them learn and rock what they do. So how wide is your client base? Like, I would assume that you are not limited like me. I'm not limited by proximity. Like, do you do you do this work over the internet? Do you do it over the phone as well? Or do you need to be in person with people to help them? I, I do it in person. I've had offers to do it in, in other ways. But um, as a Canadian certified counselor, there are certain legalities and, and ethical okay. issues that arise. Uh, we're doing online. Uh, but my preference really is doing it face-to-face. -face. I find that's where I have the biggest impact. But it also depends on what it is I'm doing. So I have different revenue streams. So the counseling uh, and psychotherapy, that that's local. But um, paid speed engagements, that's, that's international, which is great. Awesome. Okay. So, I mean, that's how I met you, was at a speaking engagement. And right. I was like, okay. <laughs> This guy gets it. <laughs> like this needs to be in every single school. This needs to be syndicated. This needs to be. I was like, Cindy, did you record this? Like, uh, it. Sadly, no. <laughs> right? Sadly, no. But it is um, for to give the listeners an idea. It was just your depth of understanding of the fact that these quote-unquote issues are actually superhero traits like we talked about before the call was like finally somebody gets it i think there's unintentional warping of the mind based on categories that people get put in or words that they hear or belief systems that are imprinted on them that happen from really young through the school system and then you get it when you go into a job. So when I heard your message, I was like, okay, somebody sees that this is not a disability, right? In the name of your company for Pete's sakes, but your message and what's got you here, like you've lived it. So 
even just being an example on a stage for somebody, I was like, no, no, this needs to be <laughs> redayed or put in front of a much bigger audience. So that's part of the reason I was excited you said yes today. So in terms of your, well, your superpower, we, we also touched on this a little bit. Your ability to put into words what you see, feel, know, do is is incredible to me because you're very succinct and exact on what you're saying as well. Somebody wouldn't have picked up likely that you had attention deficit because you speak very intelligently and very succinctly. Right. My, my struggle is getting it out of my head and, and onto paper. <laughs> right? Yep. So the avenues which you've taken career-wise uses all your strengths, which is another thing that people need to realize is that you don't have to work in anything that isn't something you're not good at. Yeah, and I think part of how my how I got to be a great communicator was being part of the startup community and, and you know, having to hone my pitch and, and my story and, and figure out how to tell it and what's the best way to tell it. But the best way to find that out is not to tell it the right way. It's to, to try things out um, and get feedback and, and work on it, right? So you, you hone your message, and, and that's what takes practice, a lot of practice. And you've just you've got to put yourself out there and be vulnerable in order to get stronger that way. But it's the having the mindset of knowing you're you're good to move forward, right? Like you, the best way for me to learn is to mess something up. So I actually will try to screw things up a lot because I'm going to learn more from that than I will my successes. Right. And if you talk to any successful person, right down to Edison, they say I tried it. I was unsuccessful. I just tried a different way. What a hundred times for the light bulb or whatever that that yeah. phrase is. So. Recently, you had a learning from your daughter, you said? Yeah. I noticed a lot of things. Um, for my, I learned a lot from my kids. Uh, it, and it's really fascinating to watch. We have a son and a daughter, two years apart in age. And to watch them, be at home with them when they were younger, and to watch them was uh, interact and play house was really a reflection of how they perceived us as parents. It was really neat to kind of, you know, be a counselor and psychotherapist and be able to just take a, a step back and watch that and kind of di dissect it. But my daughter was at a, a sporting event and we were in the locker room and I noticed that she was looking around and I kept saying her name, please, you know, you've got to, let's try to focus, let's try to get ready. And I realized that she, you know, she would put one article on and then She'd look around the room and she was just kind of scanning. And it reminded me of myself when I was younger. And, you know, my parents' teachers would say, your head's in the clouds or you're daydreaming. And I realized that after I started taking medication, I was, I was diagnosed that all, all of that information that I was, you know, everything that I observed, I was just kind of storing up until that point. And so what I was really doing was I was reading people. I was reading their body language, their, their facial expressions, um, which now helps me as a counselor and psychotherapist and entrepreneur. But the story of my daughter was, you know, recognizing that I was getting frustrated with her for doing what I did as a kid and realizing that, you know, I, I shouldn't be frustrated with her. This is going to help her later on in life. I just need to kind of take a step back and, and 
take a breath and, and let her do that because I know that it's going to make her that much more of a person later. Um, and she's already very empathetic um, and intuitive to people's feelings. So it's it's uh, neat to see her in me. Exactly. And that sensitivity, that ability to read a room is something that people don't necessarily connect as an intuitive skill, but it's it's very much an intuitive skill. And, and empathy, when it's on steroids, sometimes it can be a detriment because people will carry the weight of the world on their shoulders because they haven't learned how to let it go. They think it's bad to let somebody else's pain go. I work with that regularly, and it's, it's just... I tell people, it's like you, you've taken a library book off the shelf, and now you have to put the library book back on the shelf because it's not yours to carry. But to be able to be in tune with that at that young age, and I think many kids are, and it just kind of gets stamped out from the, no, hurry up, you got to put the stuff on. Like From all those ways we have to be in order to exist in society and be efficient, get stuff done, but it's... It's something that when you can read a room or read your client and know what the best approach is for that person based on an insight on how they operate, it's extremely powerful, be it in sales or counseling or, or management. There's, there's so many different avenues for that skill set to be used. An intangible asset. Okay, yeah. You can't really measure it, but it's there. And, and you, for someone who has it, you know immediately when someone else does, and then you're just going to be connected for forever. It's or 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 the complete opposite. <laughs> it's going to go the exact opposite direction, right? I know that people are either going to they're either going to love me or they're not. Right. Um, but that's that's also okay. I'm okay with that. I know that I'm not for everybody. Everybody's not for me. I think it it takes that that insight and maturity as well to kind of acknowledge and recognize that. Because yeah. I think when you're younger, you don't really you know that it's there. And, you know, you feel the stuff, but you don't really know what to do with it because it, it's not really talked about, right? It's kind of an invisible thing that just kind of happens in a room without people knowing, unless you do. Right, unless you do. And sometimes you can see it in others like you did in your daughter, but if you're not paying attention, like you were paying attention, it is daydreaming. It is lollygallying. It's not scanning. It's not processing so i think that's a gift that you had that day <laughs> they're pretty awesome they teach me a lot yeah kids do isn't that the truth eh? <laughs> kids and animals Find uh, animals are good teachers too how do you get your intuition how does it come through to you have you discerned what way yours comes in more through visual and and some auditory it's, it's kind of a, a mixed bag, it, and, it, and it's hard to describe because it just happens so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if somebody were to say, you know, what, what do you think about this person when I say that, I, I almost have to dissect every little thing, which is hard to do because it, it's all happened so quickly that to, do, to kind of go in reverse and do a play-by-play of what led up to that it is hard, and I think that's where the intuition comes in, right? People will see what we see and experience what we experience just on a different level. So then how how you convince somebody that you are intuitive or that you're an empath. And and that's where again it, it gets really tricky. People are either gonna get you and, and understand that 
or they're going to continue to to want proof, and those people are not for you. They're wanting proof is another way of looking at it from the perspective of they're looking to prove you wrong. Right, right. And I always tell people nobody can argue with a good instinct. What's the argument? There is none, because the good instinct is always right for each individual, and you don't have to explain it because you may not know why. It just is. And, and we've been taught somewhat not to listen to that instinct at times because, again, it doesn't fit in the rule book. Or society expects me to continue doing this work even though it's making me sick or I need the pension or whatever. And it's something that, yes, people either get it or they don't, but I think everybody's got it. It's whether or not they've stuffed it in a box. Yeah, I, th- I think part of your moral compass kind of plays in, into it as well. Like anything else, powers can be used for good and, and evil. Mm-hmm. So it really it can, it can go, go both ways. I don't think I've met anybody who's on the other end, but I think part of what we can do is to promote individuals and, and do what you're doing through the podcast by really engaging in conversation to let people know that there are other people like us out there. And here we are. Yeah, here's Rourke. <laughs> yeah, to, to normalize it, because it's, I, I kind of compare it to somebody who has an invisible disability. You know, the, the only way to find someone like us is to be vulnerable and to open up and to start a conversation. But more often than not, it has the opposite intended effect. Because you realize that by being vulnerable and, and trying to have a conversation with someone, you realize how little they are like you. And so it actually pulls you further away and maybe less reluctance to be able to have those conversations because you meet a lot of idiots or, or jerks, right? Yeah. And we don't want to waste our, our time with them. So it's kind of like speed dating with people to try and find the cool people that we're going to get, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to get along with. Um, but you've got to, you've got to kind of go through all the duds in the process. Discernment and intuition go hand in hand. And yet sometimes we'll throw our discernment out because of the shiny, bright and shiny. They look good on paper. There's lots of lessons that come when you don't listen to your intuition, I find. And it tends to make, I always think too, it makes life simpler if we listen to our intuition. But I, I know there's been cases when I've veered off the path and I've, I'm supposed to do that, but then, you know, three minutes later, I'm not supposed to do that. But was it for the awareness of just the fact that, okay, I listened. But I think when there's a gray area, just run with intuition. And it's not that people who are, aren't necessarily empathetic don't have intuition. It's to separate those two as two different skill sets sometimes. Because it can be a broad brush that people will have sometimes. Is oh, you know, those people aren't don't have empathy, so they must not be connected to their intuition. How do, how do you not have empathy? And yet, no, some people without as much empathy can be highly intuitive and aware of energy and just not have that other component. Absolutely. For people who are neurodiverse, so individuals on the autism spectrum, ADHD, I would say that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Very intuitive, but the empathy often is lacking. Okay. So I'm not, um, I'm not off my rocker with that discernment. Spot on. Okay. So, thank you so much again for today. I think this has been great to expose people to what you do. I need to get you more platforms to speak on. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be my wish, is to get you out there, get your message in, in more places, everywhere. 
my wish for you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you. Well, thank you again for today. And again, if you're looking for Sean, look up Don't Diss My Ability and you'll find him. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.